Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Downtown Rams podcast is brought to you by our proud sponsors, Rams on Demand, Seat Giant, Throwback Joe, and now... Our new sponsor, Kayvon Webster's new L.A. food truck, Vibe 305, from South Beach to Sunset. Hashtag catch a vibe. For more information, check out vibe305.com today. Now enjoy the show. And down the middle, to the end zone, caught by Brandon Cooks. Shoot your arrows. It's picks. Mikel Roby Coleman throws. Enzo caught touchdown, Tyler Higby. Cooper Cup plucks it out of the air and gives the Rams the lead. LaMarcus Joyner returns to the lineup with an interception in London. 35-30. Robert Wood, first down 20. 10-5. Touchdown, L.A. No, it's Goff who keeps it. And Goff goes crashing into the end zone. Aaron Donald almost beat the football there and comes away with his third sack of the afternoon. Met immediately in sack. Corey Littleton, have yourself a day. And he gets gobbled up. Savage has to eat it as Michael Brockers picks up the sack. He's decked by Ibukam. Picked off. Marcus Peters strutting his stump. Mark Barron the last four weeks has been a pro bowler. He picked off Dak Prescott. Into Seattle territory. Into the clear. 30, 20, Farrell Cooper 10. Farrell Cooper at the goal line. Cousins, Sacks, Indomitian Sue. Of all the guys, it's the rookie John Franklin Myers who knocks it out of Cousins' right hand. Todd Gurley, 20, 10, Gurley for MVP, touchdown LA! Welcome back guys to another Downtown Rams podcast, but it's not another one. I do have a dual podcast, first time I've ever done this. I am joined, honored to be joined by our friends over at Rams Talk. Derek Ciapala and Norm Hightower. How's it going, you two? Thanks for joining the show. Just living the dream, brother. A wonderful day full of joy and cheer. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. No, no, I, I thank you guys for joining. Uh, for those of you who are listening and are constantly listening, if you guys don't know who Rams Talk are, I'm going to give them the floor in just a sec. But be sure, before you do anything, you know, as we move forward in this podcast, be sure to subscribe and review on iTunes, Rams Talk, and Downtown Rams if you haven't already. Um, and now I leave the floor to my buddies at Rams Talk. Norm, you go first, man. Age for beauty. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to introduce us, you know. So, you know, we're Rams Talk. Uh, we cover the Rams just like uh, Jake does from Downtown Rams. Uh, we cover past, present, and future uh, we do a lot of history stuff, a lot of interviews with older players, and uh, Derek and I like to fight a lot. So if you like a little back and forth banter, you'll never lose out on me kicking his butt on the program. So uh, I'm Norm Hightower. I've been a uh, Rams fan since uh, the early, or I should say mid-1960s. I'm a 
former football coach, former football player, mostly defense all the way around. Uh, I'm kind of the X's and O's guy on Rams Talk. Uh, I'm an avid outdoorsman. I hunt and fish. I'm on a show called, now make sure you get this right, Horn Stars with an H. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, we're a family hunting and fishing show on the Pursuit Channel, and I'm a tournament bass fisherman. So everything outdoors, including sports, football, hunting, everything else, that's where I'm at. Derek, go for it. Well, I am Derek Ciapala. I was the guy who felt the inherent need to start Rams Talk, and since we've been now around, we've been around, we're in our sixth season already. Um, I've been a fan of the team for, I don't know, since I was eight, so late 80s. Actually, my first memory of the Rams is, is the last game of Eric Dickerson's career at the Rams, and that was when he took the field for the Browns on Monday Night Football, and they lost, but that was his last game. And from that, from that point forward, I was hooked. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Rams Talk. Well, personally, DC Apollo, and I don't like talking too much about myself. I am a, a soul studies teacher, hence why we do a lot of history in our show. And uh, shout out to my to my folks over at Crestview Rebels. There you go, go Rebels. Awesome, and, and you know I'm Is really that- happy because I nailed your last name, and I didn't ask you. It's one of my things. I always ask whoever I'm having on. Um, obviously Norm, I, I think your name is, you know, pretty obvious. Um, my last name, everyone butchers. So, um, Derek, I'm just glad that I got your last name down and, uh, we're all ready to go. So why don't you say your last name for me at least? So I know how to say it. Yes. Yeah, so it is Ellen Bogan. It actually means elbow in German, but people will call me Ellen Bogan. I've gotten Ellen Toboggan, which there's no T in case you didn't know that. And uh, all sorts of stuff. Ellen Bidgen, all yeah, it's just awful. <laughs> Dude, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. I got, geez, I was uh, Capilelli. Cap, uh, I, John Capilelli? Chapawa. <laughs> Chiapolo. Uh, um, my, my favorite one, uh, when I was in the Navy, they started calling me Chia Pet. Oh, That's boy. They started calling me Chia Pet. So for the first part of my naval tour, I was just Chia Pet. They, they didn't even try anymore. They just gave up. So I was just Chia Pet. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, before boy. the family moved here from the other side of the pond, it was Hogan Torn. I, I don't even understand how anyone screws up your last name, Norm. I I, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, High it's easy. Although, tower. Although I've been called High Flower, Low Tower, you know, all the fun things, and until they see I'm six four and about three sixty, and then they back off. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Yeah, so so we got a lot to talk about, guys. Uh, the 49ers are not a pushover, as we saw on Monday Night Football. Um, maybe that game shouldn't have been flexed out. But anyway, we do have our Rams and 49ers preview. And I'll start with you guys. Um, you know, this is kind of a big deal. You know, will the Rams break this 6-1 and curse? Over the years, uh, going back to the Gray Show on turf, it's been 6-0, and and then they haven't been able to win Game 7. Well, this is Game 7. And it looks pretty favorable for the Rams, except, well, the 49ers just cu- came off a pretty, um, I would say, competitive performance. Uh, you know, maybe ha- some of that had to do with the fact that the Packers don't look like everyone expected the Packers to look like. But they still played fairly well, and they had a chance to win that game. Um, where do you guys see in this one go? Go ahead, Derek. Well, yeah, yeah and it's been on. It's been since 1985 since the Rams went seven and zero. I can't believe it's been that long. It's for a all lot. The, 
<laughs> it's a long, 1985, the Dieter Brock year, since I went 7-0. Yeah, I, I like the odds this game. I'm un, I'm unsure of it in a lot of ways. You know, they have a, they have a pass rush. They are solid against the run. They, their offense is still dangerous, even with a couple of guys out. You know, the, what really turns the game for me is who will make the mistakes. So even at one and five, the 49ers are still dangerous to me. And right now the 49ers are just still more mistake prone. So I'm going with the Rams. And I, honestly, I'm hoping they blow them out. I'm hoping they go in there and torch them because they really need a blowout, in my opinion. They need to get these guys. We, <laughs> They need to get Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks. They need to get them on the bench for at least a quarter. Just blow them out. Get out of there. That's what I'm hoping for. Will it happen? No, it's a rivalry game. Well, I've noticed that the 49ers have kind of played at the level of their competition this year. Uh, you know, you look at the Cardinals game where they lost by 10. They dominated the game, really, if you look at all the statistics, but they made a lot of mistakes. You know, you look at C.J. Beathard now as their quarterback without Garoppolo playing, and he's done, you know, an admirable job considering he's a backup. Against the Packers, he completed almost 70% of his passes for 245 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception quarterback rating of 115 you know that's not bad against a green bay newly built defense so you kind of you kind of look at it and they go you go well against the packers they played tough against the cardinals they they kind of dominated the game but they lost two interceptions from bethard against the chargers who's a good team as we know uh they they just lost by a few points so i'm hoping that they don't play at the level of where we're at because we seem to be a pretty good football team. We've won, you know, we haven't looked as good the last couple of weeks, but we've been on the road and, you know, injuries are kind of hitting us and stuff. So I'm, I kind of see the turnover battle being the big difference in this game. And the Rams don't tend to turn over the ball much. And the, and the 49ers seem to give it up on some costly mistakes. So, you know, I, I'm thinking the Rams are going to win it by at least a couple touchdowns. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that, Norm. And, and Derek, I definitely see what you're saying. I think the Rams really do need a blowout. Um, that Packers game coming off a bye is going to be something where I think they just they simply need to just win this game, but a statement win would definitely help going back to, um, you know, facing a you know, formidable opponent. Um, although, I again, I just I can't knock the 49ers. One, they're an NFL team. Two, I mean, we saw what happened, you know, with the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders were still, you know, as bad as they've looked this year um, to start out, you know, the first half at least. Um, that team was competitive. I think what you're looking at is a 49ers team that is probably going to be one of the more fun teams that tank for fans. So if you're a 49ers fan out there and, and you're, you know, all, you know, really upset about, you know, possibly having a top five pick, this is probably going to be a fun season to have a top five pick. I feel like they're going to be in a lot of games. Um, CJ Beathard just gives you a chance. He's not going to be, you know, Charlie Checkdown. I mean, he's somebody that can go deep down the field. And when you have, you know, a Marquise Goodwin, um, you have one of the young um, up-and-coming tight ends in football and George Kittle. You have guys like Pierre Garçon and, and Matt Breida. Um, you know, I think you do have a chance to compete in the game and they have a lot of talent on the other side of the ball as well. Really what gets me guys is Kyle Shanahan, because I think when you have a, you know, you have a young coach like that, 
um, that has that type of, uh, I, I think he's, I won't call him McVeigh, but I feel like he's kind of, you know, the next tier below McVeigh, which in turn is going to keep you competitive. I think he makes some really solid decisions as a, as a manager of the game. Um, so yeah, I expect this game to be competitive to start, but I think the Rams is going to be kind of like the Raiders game where towards the end, they kind of just put, uh, the pedal to the metal and, and take over. Um, I lean towards the idea that they are probably going to score over 30 and the 49ers, it'll be around, I'd say 17 points, but you know, that's just me. Um, moving on the, the key matchups in this game, because, you know, I, I think, Obviously, you know, with like a keep to leave out, you know, that would have been a nice matchup, a keep to leave versus, you know, maybe like a Pierre Garcon. But I think one of the key matchups here is going to be whoever is against Richard Sherman, because quite honestly, you know, despite what we saw, um, all those videos that came out during training camp about him being slow and all that, he's actually had quite a season um, for, you know, how long he's been healthy. So, who do you think he's going to match up with? And, and do you think that's like a legitimate uh, matchup to watch? Well, I think it's going to be tough to tell who he's going to match up against because the Rams are going to probably, you know, do what they've been doing and line up guys all over the place and kind of change it up, you know, without Cooper cup, probably playing, you know, Robert Woods will probably end up in the slot every once in a while. Uh, he'll probably be outside every once in a while. And, you know, you just kind of don't know. But I would think that uh, they probably try to keep him on Woods. And, yeah, I, I would say Robert Woods is probably who they're going to try to cover him with. Uh, Sherman Sherman will probably cover him. That, that would be my guess. You know, I'm kind of just thinking about one thing. And I, here's the thing. I haven't seen – you mentioned Sherman. What have you seen from Sherman this year – that tells you he's close to where he was. Um, that's an honest question because I have not seen Sherman on film yet. Yeah, no, I I think um just I, I really just feel like he's he's not quite where he you know was, and I don't think he ever will be there again. Um, I wouldn't call him the best corner in the league, but I would still say he's probably top fifteen. I don't see the the sheer explosiveness out of him. But um, he is very decisive. He's quick to react, and uh, he's been able to to stick with his guys. Uh, there was there was a I, there was a PFF um, thing that came out, and it was the yards per coverage allowed, and it was Sherman, and it was Talib uh, among the two uh, top guys. I think I just saw that yesterday or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think he's actually had a, a solid season. Now the problem is with him is again the, those lingering injuries. So he's missed. I believe it was two games so far, so it's it's kind of a smaller sample size. But from what I've seen on film, I actually have really been impressed with Sherman's ability to come back from such a ridiculous injury. I mean, anytime you, you have an Achilles uh, tear, um, I mean, that can be really detrimental to, you know, finishing your career, um, let alone getting back to, to where you were. So um, I think he's definitely going to be to somebody to watch. And, you know, I, I also... Akilah Witherspoon, I guess, um, he, he's kind of, he doesn't really do it for me, uh, you know, as far as what they drafted him to be like, he, you know, coming out of Colorado, um, big six foot three guy, 
uh, on the you know cross. I think really what the 49ers have that's really interesting is is those two bigger corners, um, you know, size, um, you know, advantage. But it's funny because, you know, Cup is actually the bigger one out of uh, the bunch. And then you have Reynolds. Now, Reynolds is probably going to go up against somebody on the outside. And then, like you mentioned, I think Woods is going to funnel his way into the slot. Maybe, you know, Cooks and alternate it. Although, I I did see, and we'll we'll talk about this a little later on, um, Reynolds was uh, limited with a hand injury. So, I mean, we could see some uh, Kaderil Hodge. You know, that would be some... You know, that'd be interesting. I know they picked up Nick Williams and JoJo Natson is on the roster. So I, I don't know if they'll dip that far down the depth chart, but. Um, but that's really why I'm asking the question, though. I'm asking about Sherman because when you when you talk about the matchups that you're bringing up right there, the the matchup that I'm really interested in is not who Richard Sherman covers. I'm interested in who's going to try and cover Bannon Cooks. I want to flip that around because I don't think they have the guys to cover Cooks. They're not going to put Sherman on Cooks. So I don't think they cooks? can. And so that's where that's where my my frame of mind is. You know, you're asking the question, well, who does Sherman cover? And I think by default it's going to be Woods, especially if he's not 100%. And that means who covers Cooks because they don't have the guy to cover Cooks. They really don't. And that's that's a really good point because, you know, we didn't really see that in the Packers game, guys, because the 49ers had the guy that you can't cover. You know, and Marquise Goodwin. I didn't really see the pack. The Packers don't really have that guy that's that's a breakaway guy like that. I mean, obviously they have some guys that run in the four fours. Um, you know, physical freaks. Well, I will say this: Marquez Valdez Scantling. I believe he ran in the four threes, and he's he's a freak. I mean, six foot five runs in the four threes. I mean, he's fast, and and he's starting to to really develop into something. So I won't say that, but um. To, to go to your point, I mean, I, I would agree. I don't know if they really have anyone to cover him. Um, I don't know if they have anyone to even, you know, pick up the, the pace with him. They're going to have to really rely on their back end, and they're not – they're going to need help over the top because, you know, the bottom line is you can't leave like, – like you mentioned, I don't think you can leave Sherman on Cooks. I think Sherman's going to have to either be on Reynolds or Woods or vice versa, and then, you know, kill a Witherspoon maybe, uh, but – you know, even so, I I, I think you're going to really – this game is going to come down to Jaquiski Tart and, and Adrian Colbert, although I, I believe Colbert was hurt in the Packers game, so we'll see if he's even available. But I think the safeties are really going to have to come up big in this one. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that, you know, whoever's covering Cooks, there's going to be a safety back there to help them out. They're going to have to do that, and that's going to open up the game for Woods and whoever else the Rams put in there you know, a Hodge or, or the, who's the new guy they signed today. I doubt he plays that quick. Nick Williams. But Nick Williams. Yeah. Nick Williams. Uh, he does have familiarity with McVay, so it's possible, but I would expect to see the Rams tight ends see a little bit more play this week because of the fact that I think they're going to have to commit the safeties to cover, you know, Woods and, and uh, I don't, I don't think they have the guy to cover cooks like you're saying. So, if, if they've got both their safeties, you know, helping cover our two main receivers, I think that's just going to open up the door for the tight ends and everybody else. I think the biggest matchup is going to be, you know, their defensive line against our offensive line. I mean, I know Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner really well. They both played at Oregon. Um, before I moved here, I lived in the state of Oregon and covered the Oregon Ducks. 
met both of them, interviewed both of them. They're both excellent players, but they're not really known for their pass rush. Solomon Thomas hasn't played all that well. Uh, Earl Mitchell isn't, you know, a huge pass rusher. So if, if Goff has the time to throw and the safeties are committed, I think that's going to open it, you know, wide open for our tight end. So that's kind of where I see things going. Yeah, I can, I, I can definitely see that. Um, you know, I actually really, really like uh, DeForest Buckner. I think he's turned into one of the better players at that position, and I think he's always somebody to watch because I mean he can he can wreck games. I mean he he's done it before. However, you know, going back to that point with Cooks, I think having that type of speed on the perimeter um, is really going to. I, I think they're going to play off the ball uh, big time. I, I think you might have whoever's covering Cooks is ten yards off Cooks which I think is going to open up the door for a Todd Gurley screen here or, you know, an outside zone run um, there. Uh, you know, they, they did that um, against the Broncos. It's kind of something like, you know, pick your poison. You know, do you, do you want to, you know, allow the Rams to continue to throw over the top with Cooks or, or do you want, you know, the Rams to chip away at you with the, the short pass and have Gurley, you know, run 20 yards after the catch? I mean, it's, it's hard to go up against this offense. And, you know, it's really... I mean, the 49ers, I think, are going to have to hope that they can just try taking advantage of the defense because I don't see them slowing down the Rams' offense. I don't see the Rams really punting in this one, maybe once. Um, I think the Rams are really going to have to, uh, you know, shut them down on defense to get that blowout. I mean, I don't. I don't have any questions about their offense. And yes, I am one of those people as stupid as it may sound. I do believe last week's struggles were because Jared Goff was wearing two gloves. I, I don't know why he was wearing two gloves, but um, I think you'll see all of a sudden his accuracy's back this week. I think they'll look completely different and keep in mind guys, you know, last week was considered a down week for the offense. They only scored only scored 23 points. Um, they had over 400 yards of offense. So, you know, if, it, if a down week is over 400 yards of offense, then, you know, when they're, they're at their best, they're going to be at their best. So I think this is, you know, one of those games um, I could see people, you know, picking against the Rams because they don't have cup and overreacting to it. But I just, there's too much there. And uh, I, I don't really see it going any other way unless the Rams defense, you know, makes this kind of like a shootout. So I want to back up because you caught me a little bit there. You said that you think the reason why Goff struggled was the gloves. I do. I really I, do. I... Because, uh, you know, I'll go back to the, the New York game I was at against the Giants. That game was like really, really cold. And uh, and he wasn't he wasn't wearing gloves that time. But you go back to, you know, the New England game. That was the last time he wore gloves. And I, I don't know. It just the ball just didn't come out as effectively. And I know it was obviously really cold. Maybe he he has one glove on like his grip hand. But I, the double gloves thing does not work all that well. And, and I, I don't know if, you know, it sounds funny, but I mean, golf's literally never gone two gloves you know since the the Patriots game back in 2016 in Foxborough I won't argue the gloves I think that surely had to affect it some but you know you got thinner air the ball travels differently there's you know colder air it travels differently there's a lot of factors plus you know this is the most that he's had to run for his life in the 
you know, with the pass protection breaking down. So I think you figure all those factors in. I don't know that the gloves were the only reason, but I'm sure they contributed. I just look at though between the pass rush was a big deal was the big difference for him. We saw him getting antsy in the pocket for the first time since his rookie year. I I don't I mean I'm perfectly willing to say hey the gloves are a factor like you're saying Norm, but I look at it going hey the Broncos covered the Rams receivers very well a and b Vaughn Miller and <laughs> oh boy Mr Chubb Bradley Chubb were on him all day long made him awful nervous he's making throws his even his arm motion was just rushed and so uh, to me it's more than just the clubs it's more than just is so many the broncos played the rams passing game let me stress the words passing game very well and bringing that around the 49ers game that's what has me worried about armstead and buckner can they get that rush on i think the difference though is the 49ers secondary is nowhere near as good as the Broncos secondary is. Well, yeah, no, the other absolutely. question is, are yeah. they going to bring in a nickel? I mean, are they going to bring in a nickel to help out? That's the other question. Can they afford to do that when you're looking at, you know, Reuben Foster, Fred Warner, Malcolm Smith in the middle? Do they have to take one of those guys out and bring in a nickel to help cover? And if they do that, Todd Gurley's probably going to have a whale of a game. So it's they're in trouble on defense, I would think. Yeah, and and to go to your point, I don't know if they can afford to, you know, simply off the fact that the the way you know somebody like a Fred Warner, you know, can defend, um, as a you know a, a you know in the passing game. Um, I watched him at the Senior Bowl. I mean, his range, he flies all over the field, and I was really impressed with his ability and coverage. Um, and, I mean that goes back to just when he was at BYU and on film, but. You know, then obviously you have Reuben Foster, which, you know, again, Reuben Foster was put in a rough position like Anthony Barr was against Cooper Cup um, because on Monday Night Football, the uh, the Packers got, I believe it was Devontae Adams down the field and Reuben Foster was the only one covering him. Um, and then Malcolm Smith, again, is somebody else that I think uh, works pretty well um, in, uh, you know, the, the passing game as well um, in, in coverage. So, they, they have some good coverage linebackers. I don't know if you can take them out and put Kawan Williams in. I mean, you can, but I, I don't know if I would do that the whole game. And that's where I just feel like this offense has too much advantage. And I go back to what you guys were saying. I think the gloves had a major factor, but I, I totally hear you. You know, I was saying um, coming into the year, the Rams were going to go 14-2, and I had one of their losses actually being uh, against Denver because I just felt like the altitude and um, – I felt like Case Keenum, you know, last year you, you saw what he was able to do in uh, in Minnesota. I, I thought he was going to be able to have more of an impact in that game, but you know, I'm, I'll, I'll take being <laughs> I'll take being wrong. You know, <laughs> I will definitely take that. But I think the Rams' offense is definitely going to bounce back uh, mightily in this one. You had them fourteen and two. Who was the other loss? The Saints. So I had them going fifteen and one, and the only loss was to the Saints. Ah, how about that? <laughs> oh, I'm the. I, what did I have them at? I think I was. Oh, you were you were you were probably seven and nine or something. No, man. no, stop it. I, was, <laughs> I, remember, I think it was twelve and four. Anyway, I think yeah. it was twelve and four. Yeah, I think that's what you had them. Well, I li- I like those. I mean, you know, they, they could go twelve and four, they could go fifteen one, and they could go fourteen. They could go sixteen zero. I mean, we don't really know 
what we're going to see with this team moving forward. I mean, you have to imagine they're going to continue, you know, playing it the way they have. And I mean, you know, Sean McVay's career record, what is it now? 17 and six, right? 17 and five. I mean, um, if, if we're factoring in the, the playoff loss, then it'd be 17 and six. Um, and don't we only have like one road loss since McVay took over? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> It's oh, yeah, it's crazy. The uh, yeah, nine on the road. Yeah, that's just insane. Nine, no, it's gonna be, it has to be ten and one, ten and one, with that win last week. Yeah. So seven and one last year, three and zero this year. That's that. Those are bananas numbers. But but teams are starting to figure out how to play them at home a little bit. So, I mean, at, at yeah. their home. Yeah, I, I don't know, though. Uh, if the Rams offense can get back on track to where it was and if we can avoid any more major injuries. And, you know, one thing that I did a lot of game study and game film study on last week was uh, the run defense for the Rams. And when we watched them get kind of run over a little bit by a couple of teams, I, I spent some time and, and did a lot of you know, looking at the defensive line and linebackers on the run game. And they they just weren't keeping their gap integrity. And we watched the game against the Broncos last week, and they seem to have fixed that. So if they can stop the run against the 49ers and continue to, to do well there, I, I think it's going to be tough for the 49ers to move the football. Even with our injuries in the secondary, I think that you'll see guys, you know, like Joyner and John Johnson – you know, maybe playing a little bit of, you know, outfield out there. Yeah. And it's really funny looking at what they were able to do, you know, against running backs this year. I mean, obviously, you know, we know in the Vikings game, Dalvin cook um, was playing injured and, and he didn't really even get going that I, he didn't get going at all really. Um, and then Melvin Gordon, who's looked like a top five back this year. I mean, he had a solid game against the Rams, but it wasn't like, you know, an amazing game or anything like that. Really, the best single game performance on the ground against the Rams has been Chris Carson, um, who's gone up against the Rams uh, defense before. So, you know, I, that's that's really been it. I, I was actually really impressed with their ability to stop the run against Denver. I think that was one of the really big takeaways in that game because, you know, you have guys like, you know, Royce Freeman uh, from Oregon and, and Philip Lindsay from Colorado. Philip Lindsay's been terrorizing um, defenses all year, pretty much, um, as a scat back, but they've actually been using him in between the tackles, um, as opposed to just as a pass catcher. And I mean, they really, he only had four carries for 18 yards and, uh, you know, Royce Freeman, he averaged 2.4 yards to carry in this one. And really what it came down to was, you know, the fact that, um, you know, out of the running backs wise, Philip Lindsay had six catches for 48 yards, but I mean, you know, that's always been kind of the Rams crutch. I, I feel like those guys can be dangerous. You saw Chris Thompson. I mean, I saw him in person, um, you know, last year, um, you know, in the, the Redskins game, uh, you saw, you know, Austin Eckler, just guys like that are, you know, it's never really the, the big bell cow that worries me for the Rams defenses. It's always, you know, that, that scat back. Well, in this one, I feel like the Rams have to worry a little bit about Breida. Um, we've seen his ability. I mean, again, small sample size. They've only played six games. But Breida was leading the league in, in rushing at one point. Um, we, we've seen him, you know, be able to kind of be that spark 
for the 49ers. And, and that's, that's one of the things, I guess, you know, with the, the run game, are they going to be able to, you know, stop these guys? I know they have kind of a, a you know, big monster, you know, this monstrosity of running backs in the backfield, uh, you know, with McKinnon out for the year, they have Alfred Morris, they have Raheem Mostert who randomly um, had a really good game on Monday night. And then they have Brita, um, do you, do you guys think that they're going to stop the run this week? Do you, do you think it's going to be more like the Broncos, or could we see a game similar to the Seahawks in this one? I wouldn't. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave up a hundred. But Alfred Morris has kind of been their Achilles heel. I hate saying that. Right now, I'm on injured reserve with a torn Achilles myself. So uh, Achilles heel is a bad word for me. But Alfred Morris has kind of torched us in the past. So you know, if they can continue to play really good gap defense and keep their gap integrity like they did last week against Denver, I think we'll be all right. It's just, you know, sometimes you don't see what's going to happen until the second half with the Rams. They make their adjustments at halftime and they come out and they end up, you know, pulling away in the second half. I'm really hoping they can stop the run in the first half and make it tough on CJ Beathard and, and, you know, make him make some mistakes and hopefully we can capitalize on those couple things going back to is in fairness to the rushing argument and again i'm not trying to beat the rams up on this is denver for whatever reason abandoned the running game when they weren't out of the game yet so the rams stopped them a couple times and they just said okay screw it and they just went on tj uh sorry on case kim's arm so we while they were improved we don't know how improved they are yet and to me going this week i look at it going there's an easy way to stop the run in this game Get out offense, just blow them off the ball immediately. Just go our offense. Get get out early. Two, three touchdown lead. Put make them one dimensional. And then all we gotta do is worry about George Kittle and Marquise Goodwin. That, that's what I would like to see them do is let's make them one dimensional and not have to worry about that double headed snake that they have in the backfield right now. And then it's not gonna be a problem. Uh, and, they, and that's the Rams ha- offense has the ability to do that. In the second quarter this year, they have outscored opponents by thirty one points. Just the second quarter alone. Get that early first half lead, knock them off the ball, make the 49ers one-dimensional, and this is a win that is a blowout when we, we would hope it would be. Yeah, that has to be – I mean, that really has to be the key to the game. Um, you know, once you make them one-dimensional, I mean, it, no matter if you have Garoppolo or you have, uh, you know, Bethard out there, again, one-dimensional football is not, you know, the way to play. And um, – I think that you could see, you know, a few interceptions in this game. I think, you know, Beathard's a gunslinger. Whether he he's good at being a gunslinger or not, um, you saw him give, you know, receivers an opportunity as well as defensive backs. I mean, we're talking about the interception to Kevin King at the end of the Monday Night Football game. And um, the 49ers, just one thing I keep noticing is just they, they don't go away. And, and you, you know, like you, I think it was Norm that mentioned this earlier, how they actually dominated the... Uh, Cardinal statistically and you know even when Garoppolo was out they didn't really go away in that Chargers game or the sorry the Chiefs game and then the Chargers game they were in it I I don't know like I don't look at this team again like just to shake them off but um, this this is an ultimate opportunity for the Rams to to blow out a team before they go up against a team coming off a bye because I don't know if they've gone up against a team coming straight off a bye and a team as talented as the Packers. So they really have to, you know, get the ball rolling on that. Um, you know, my 
X factor for this one, I'm going to say um, right now, if uh, I, I'll say this, Josh Reynolds, because I, I really, you know, I wonder, this is, this is a huge opportunity for Reynolds. I don't think Cup's injury is going to really um, extend. I mean, he might miss the Packers game, but this is a huge opportunity for a fourth round pick that was kind of in line for, you know, a heavy workload. Um, coming out of the draft, but then they traded for Sammy Watkins last year, and it kind of pushed him to the back of the line. And then this year, Sammy Watkins is gone. You think, oh well, Josh Reynolds is coming up, and then, uh, you know, the Rams go out and they, you know, trade their first round pick for Brandon Cooks. So, you know, I just look at that where I'm like, that's definitely something that you know you have to to keep in mind. And Josh Reynolds again, I mean, you know, it was the the first game he stepped in. Um, you know there were the injuries to Cup and uh, Cooks, and he had three straight touches this past game. I know everyone likes to pin that pinball uh, interception on him, but, I mean, that was actually just a not really a great choice by Goff, and it was a batted pass anyway. Um, so I don't know, guys. I mean, I think one of the X factors I would say is, is Josh Reynolds, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I would say it's Corey Littleton because this is uh, – this guy's leading the team in uh, past breakups, and uh, he's actually shown his ability over the, the weeks to really continue to grow as a linebacker. I really love him in coverage. He just stands out every week. And this week, he's going to go up against George Kittle, so I think it's a huge opportunity for him. Those are my two X factors, I would say. Um, what do you guys think about that, and uh, what are yours? You just want the Rams X factors. You want four nine X factors too. Um, really, just the the Rams X factors. All right, Norm, go. Sorry, I'd say I'd say Marcus Peters on defense. Uh, he's going to have to have a good game and not give up the deep ball. And if he can do that, I, I think that's going to be huge for the Rams defense. So, I'll go with Marcus Peters on defense. On offense, you know, I hate to sound predictable but it's it's got to be Todd Gurley if Todd Gurley can you know rush for over 100 keep putting keep you know keep putting five six yards of carry out there make second down and third down real short you know I think that's going to be a key for the Rams to be able to put a lot of points on the board lastly I'll say McVay's play calling in the red zone if he runs the football more. I think that'll be a huge X factor for us. All right. So for me, my X factor on offense is going to be Gerald Everett. Okay. I believe he's on the cusp here, of, especially with, uh, with cup out They're They're going to try and look more in the field here. They're going to have opportunities with, with you, like you, like Jake was saying, you know, their, their quarterbacks are going to play off the ball more. There's going to be room underneath to, to make some plays. So I want to see, I'm, I, well, I want to say I think it's going to happen. They're starting to target Joe Everett more. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. And I think he's an X factor in this game. He's, he's a guy that sooner or later, a McVay offense is going to start getting back to those tight ends. And I, little by little, we've been seeing that. Defensively, I'm going with Mark Barron. Um, that is where we're going to see the Rams really stopping the run in this game or not. If, if they keep gap integrity, as Norm was saying, if – he and the other linebackers can get in there and make some plays, then this isn't going to be a problem on Sunday. And But Mark Barron, to me, is that key. 
He's below his, he's been that missing link for much of the year. And if he's in there hitting people, it's it's on. I think we're going to be fine. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Mark Barron, same thing with George, uh, same thing with Gerald Everett, excuse me. Um, Gerald Everett is starting to, you know, get more and more uh, opportunities and more reps because I, I mean, at least I believe that, you know, that shoulder injury, um, I think kind of put him behind a little bit. And uh, now that he's, you know, fully healthy and, and he's probably up to speed, I think they feel comfortable with, you know, gradually giving him more um, reps each week, um, you know, in a game against like the Packers next week or moving forward to the, the Saints. I think you could be seeing Gerald Everett as a legitimate piece that they have to lean on um, due to the increase in uh, competition. Like, I do think that it's going to get to that point where you'll see, you know, them going up against a team that can take away you know, somebody like a, a Cooks and double team him and or, you know, something like that where you need to rely on Everett. So I definitely agree with that um, with Barron. I mean, he's coming off. I, I believe it was in an Achilles injury or yeah, I, I think it was an Achilles injury. Um, he's coming off an Achilles injury and he's now having to play, you know, in the NFL as a starter and everyone's expecting him to go right back to form. I mean, he didn't really have any time to prepare during the off season. It was pretty much all rehabbing and trying to get back to uh, full strength. So I definitely would agree with you. I think he's an X factor. And I think he's also another guy where over the, the year you'll start to see him, you know, get more comfortable. And I think he's really going to uh, get acclimated. And I believe last year he finished in the top 10 in uh, run defensive production uh, for linebackers uh, per pro football focus. So I think he's going to be, um, up to that form by the end of the year. And, and the Rams are, are, you know, a little lucky in that regard because they get guys like that back. Um, and then, you know, you talk about somebody like o Obanai Okoronkwo, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but they're, they're going to be getting guys back towards the end of the year. So, you know, it's almost like you're getting reinforcements. So you learn how to play with what you have now, and then you're just going to be adding on. So that, that's kind of one of those, it, it, sucks to lose somebody but like for instance Talib, if if the Rams really start firing on all cylinders on defense and they all learn to really play together as far as like having you know a Troy Hill next to a Marcus Peters or maybe a Sam Shields or you know maybe they use Nikel Ruby Coleman and platoon you know Blake Countess or maybe they you know give Darius Williams their uh their waiver claim um an opportunity and then all of a sudden, now you have you know that chemistry, and then you can add a keep to leave, and now you're just getting better. I think that's one of those rare things where again, it sucks to lose a guy, but when you you add on towards the end of the year, that's when a team can really um, start to build off of that. And I think the Eagles did last year when they got Sidney Jones back, as well as um, what's his name from the uh, from the Bills that they got uh, Ronald Darby. So I do think the Rams are kind of leaning in in that way you know, moving forward. Yeah. Having, having to lead back, will make a huge difference, especially if the secondary can start to gel. Now, Troy Hill had a rough game last week. I'm, I'm a big Troy Hill fan, obviously because he's from Oregon, but even last week I was kind of shaking my head a little bit. Um, I'm hoping Sam Shields can, can start playing more downs than he's been playing. I don't know if they're, if they're doing it just to get him back to the speed of the game or if he needs more time to get in shape or, or whatever. But, you know, there's been some times where he's been real close on 
on intercepting it and taking it back for a pick six on several several pass defenses. So I I would agree with you. I think that you know getting to lead back Okoronkwo, hopefully he'll be able to come in and and show us what he's got here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and just overall gelling of the defense. I, I I don't think we're in trouble yet. I think we're still looking pretty good, and you know we're also a young linebacker core too. So, and and Corey Littleton's played phenomenal for for being his first year at the position, you know, as a starter. So I, I have no complaints there at all. All that said, this team isn't even by man. And oh my gosh, they need a buy. It's going to be a while before they get it. They could really use get some healthy time. <laughs> we could really use a break. We're getting those injuries just piling up, piling up, and piling up. And sooner or later, that will cost you. And so, fingers crossed. Knock on wood, whatever we got to do. Hold a seance. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, though. I mean, you know, when, when you have guys like, I honestly, um, and we're going to dive right into this in a sec, but I honestly was really taken back when I saw Longacre did not practice and then I saw the reason was a back injury because that is that is not what you want to see. Um, you saw what happened with Robert Quinn. I, I hate back injuries. I think, you know, it's taken Joe Flacco like three years to recover from his back injury. Um, they're brutal, but on top of that, when you re-injure your back, that's another thing that just is just worrisome. I, I don't know. I worry about Longacre's long-term health. I really do. And I think when you're talking about Longacre being probably your best edge guy, that's when you know you're really hoping to, to strike gold with, with an Okoronkwo or a Trayvon Young or, or you know, a Justin Lawler. Because they, I just don't think, you know, they're, I really like what they're doing on defense, but the one area of need I think is, is on the edge. And I think Okoronkwa watching his film, you know, going back to Oklahoma, just somebody that I really enjoyed, um, you know, following and watching. I mean, he can be that, that spark. However, he's also going to have his fair share of rookie mistakes. Um, he has an issue, you know, with as far as setting the edge, he's somebody that can be very aggressive going with that inside spin move and kind of leave the, you know, the edge wide open. We saw that, um, quite often with somebody like a Connor Barwin. I do think the Rams are in need of a legit rusher, but also somebody that's going to be able to set the edge. And if Longacre gets hurt, see, like, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't been extremely impressed with Samson Ibukan. And, and he's raw. Like, I totally understand that. Um, but he hasn't, like, jumped out to me in any way. I don't know. Like, what, what have you guys seen from him? Well, I've known Ibukam for a long time, being you know that he came from Eastern Washington. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm an old Pac-12 guy and and lived up in the area, so I watched him play a lot. And, and he he has his moments where he can be impressive. I, I think right now there's just a lot going on for him, and I don't know that he's really caught up with the speed of the game yet. Uh, when I watched him play uh, preseason here in Baltimore against the Ravens. I watched Joe Flacco come around the edge and, and Ibukam couldn't catch him. And that just isn't him. Uh, he's usually faster than that. So I would say if he can make it through this year, all right, I think next year he'll probably be, you know, a solid starter for us. As far as Longacre goes, it was my understanding that he only went out of the game with back spasms. I, I don't think it was an injury to his back uh, more th that it was back spasms. So I'm hoping 
that he'll be able to go this week and and it's not a, a serious injury, it's just back spasms. So that's what I'm hoping for. Knocking on wood on that. <laughs> One other thing too, the Ebicam, you know, I had the the really cool opportunity to interview him at Ramsfest and and just talking to him about his defense and who he's playing with, the one guy he really gravitated towards, just, it just you can see it in the conversation, was Mark Barron. And Mark Barron's just now getting back. So what I'm interested in seeing is how does his play improve with Mark Barron next to him again in the lineup. And my guess is he'll be better. We'll see an improvement there having his, his road dog with him. In the line. That's what. That's kind of how I'm getting it. I like that you're pointing something out that I haven't heard, and I will definitely be watching that. Um, that little relationship there. Um, as far as you know, the rest. I mean, I personally think that they need to go with more of a rotation on the edge, and obviously, like we both have interviewed, um, John Franklin Myers. I mean, he's he's a friend of both of our podcasts, and um, I think he he's given the Rams a lot for, you know, being that this raw, uh, kind of quote unquote tweener. Um, but I, I think, you know, each week he seems to get better. I, I don't know, you know, what, what they're going to do with, it. I think they view him more as kind of, um, you know, hand in the dirt type of guy, whereas Ibukam kind of, you know, goes from a, a sprinter stance. Um, I don't know. I, I think I really want to see more of Trayvon Young and, I've actually, albeit it's been like what four snaps for Justin Lawler. I want to see more of him as well. Um, I, I think you know going more rotation based. Keep in mind next year they'll have you know guys like uh, Morgan Fox and Garrett Sickles back. So we'll see you know how much they're able to contribute or if they're able to even make the roster. I think Morgan Fox definitely would, and I think th- those guys would have helped this year. But it, it'll definitely be interesting once you know Okoronkwo, uh joins the fray because. I think he's the most talented rusher on the roster, as crazy as that sounds. I, I would agree. I think Okoronkwo is going to make a huge difference when he's able to come in and play. I do have concerns about, like you're saying, you know, can he can he hold the edge? But I don't know that that's really what Wade Phillips wants him to do when he's in there anyways. I think he wants him to, you know, put the crosshairs on the quarterback and just go and let the linebackers cover. But he, I think he'll be a legitimate difference maker for our defense once he's able to come in and, and you know perform up to the level that he's that he's been known for and you know being in the pros now hopefully he even steps it up another notch Lawler I don't know if you've seen him personally but when I saw him in Baltimore that guy's a beast I mean I really think that if they can get him acclimated into our defense and get him you know more up to NFL speed and I really think he's going to be a difference maker down the road he's He's very athletic, very well put together. I just, I was impressed by him, and I'm hoping to see him get more snaps. Well, that's what they need to do. And, and well, let's just go back to the Rams' defense over like the last five years, because we can all agree, I think, that the Rams' defense has been miles ahead of the Rams' offense for most of this time, right? We can, we can all agree to that. And during that time frame the Rams were most effective defensively when they were rotating guys in and out across that defensive line. And, and whether they're in the, the old 4-3 or the, this modified 4-3-3-4 scheme, that's still the MO. The more guys that can move in and out, the more guys that can keep fresh, the more guys that 
are effective rushing the ball, you know, rushing rushing the passer come the fourth quarter, that's just going to, that's just gravy now. That's that, that's what Rams football has been defensively for the last five years. And we haven't really seen that this year as much because they haven't had the guys are all freaking hurt. So that's what I want to see. I want to see the development of those guys on the edge to be what we've always known the Rams defensive line to be in the last five years, which is rotation, rotation, rotation around those core guys. Well, I think Franklin Myers gives you that. And then you've got Ethan Westbrooks as well, who yeah. at times Ethan Westbrooks looks like, you know, he could be a starter for any team. So I really think that with Franklin Myers in there now, you can really have a good rotation going through there. Yeah, especially like in pass rushing, um, you know, pass rushing downs. Uh, he comes in. I mean, I saw him with with uh, with Brockers, um, replacing Brockers and putting him next to Donald and Sue. And then we've also seen him on the outside. Um, I think that versatility. He's kind of like that. I won't call him a Swiss Army knife because I don't think that's fair to somebody like, you know, a Marquee Christian that can be that big dime backer, can play safety or sometimes play some corner and is a special team guy as well. Like, but he is something similar to that. Um, so I think that's definitely, you know, a key piece. But going back to what you said, uh, Norm, you know, with, with Justin Lawler, I, I saw a lot of draft Twitter calling this guy. Uh, you know, he was very, uh, you know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? He was stiff. Um, I just didn't agree. Uh, you know, I, I felt like it, it seems like when one person says something during like, you know, this draft time and everything, it, it seems like everyone kind of piggybacks on that assumption where, oh, he's too stiff to play on the edge and he's more of a, you know, four, three, um, you know, defensive end. I just, I don't know. I disagree. I was really impressed with what I saw at SMU. Um, and then he, you know, it, I think it shows a lot that he was getting first team snaps, um, you know, in, in camp. Now I get it. You know, this isn't a coach that plays favorites unlike you know, other coaches in the past, but, um, he had to earn his, his way to that point. And again, to go with your point against Baltimore, I mean, he looked really, he did look like a beast and, you know, if, if pro football focus says, you know, has anything to say about it, his five snaps, apparently, or however many snaps he's, he's taken, um, he's had, uh, he, he's made the most of them. He's, he's rated the highest, um, outside linebacker on the team. And he has a really high grade for, you know, obviously in limited action. I just want to see this guy get more of an opportunity as well as Trayvon young. Cause I have a hard time, um, you know, scratching somebody like Trayvon Young and keeping somebody like, you know, Justin Davis um, in the lineup. I, I think you need Trayvon Young more than you need like a Justin Davis or, you know, you know somebody like that. Um, that's just my take. I firmly believe Trayvon Young earned his spot um, during the preseason, and I want to see what he can do, um, you know, in a rotation. I, and the rotation is the best way to go because you don't have a Von Miller. You don't have a Bradley Chubb. You don't have a Khalil Mack. Um, and and I, I think it's the best way to keep guys, uh, you know, firmly, um, you know, involved and, and keep them fresh. However, I will say the Rams do miss, regardless of what anyone says, the Rams miss Dom Easley, um, obviously due to injury, but the Rams miss guys like Nick Fairley and Kendall Lankford that were able to kind of, um, you know, come in and, and, and rotate. I do think that they are missing that. And, you know, easily was supposed to be that, but then they used him as an edge guy and, 
he was the best looking edge guy and now he's out and I don't know if he's going to be back. Um, he's on the IR and you can only designate two guys to return from IR after the new rules. So that would leave them to decide between Tlaib, which really isn't much of a decision. I mean, he'll be back and then you have Farrell Cooper and, um, you know, I, I think it'll be a little tough to, to bring back easily, even to say if he's ready or not. Yeah, I don't think Easley's going to be ready until next year. That's just, I mean, he, he's his that guy's got the worst luck when it comes to a knee that I've ever seen. Uh, Denari Alexander. <laughs> yeah, well, and don't forget also that the Rams only have a set amount of injury reserve guys they can bring back now. So they, I think, what was it two they can bring back? Yeah. And yeah. they have like four or five that are guys who could be contributors so it's it's i'm really interested in seeing who they're going to choose who's gonna, who's coming back who can play this year and who's not we know Tlaib will be one of them right so then you only have so. one more so only you only have one more and and uh, i don't know that it would be easily so yeah i mean it's a matter of even if he's ready or not and yeah i i don't i don't know if he'll be ready or not but um, we're talking about injuries, so we'll talk about this injury report real quick. Um, Greg Zerline, he is back. Uh, the Rams did release Cairo Santos and, uh, signaling Greg Zerline is healthy and ready to go. Um, he almost broke the single season, uh, points record last year. And then he had the, the back injury, um, this year he came back and then he got hurt again. So he's back. Uh, the Rams had, um, mentioned earlier, um, Josh Reynolds, limited participant with a hand injury. Brockers um, was a did did not participate uh, due to a shoulder injury. Cooper Cup, although he hasn't been officially ruled out, it's looking like he's going to be out. Um, it's pretty obvious he's not going to play um, with a, an MCL sprain. Well, and the then, Rams did the Rams ruled him out today. Oh, they did rule him out. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's he's officially ruled out. And then Matt Longacre with the DNP uh, with his back and then Saffold with a DNP with his knee, but he is actually expected to go. So um, any of those stick out to you? Uh, nope. That's pretty much how I expected to see it. I no, think the 49ers uh, one does. Yeah. <laughs> the, the 40, the 49ers have so many injuries. I uh, it's, it's unfortunate, especially when you get a guy like, you know, a Dante Pettis in the second round. And this is his opportunity. This is like this is like what the fans want to see. You know, you lose your your franchise quarterback for the year. You want to see guys like that be able to get an opportunity now in a lost season. And they can't even see that. So it's uh yeah, it's a it's a little brutal, especially the way Pettis started out um his season. And, and then you talk about losing McKinnon before the season started. So, and that, I believe guys, that was in, that was in training camp or that was in a practice. Yeah, it was a, I think it was a right after training camp, right before the first game of the season. Just brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, with that being said, so that we talked about, talk about the Rams injury report. The 49ers injury report is very long. Um, although I will say that, uh, Dante Pettis did participate in the walkthrough. I don't know if he's going to play. He was limited. So was Sherman and Trent Taylor. 
their impressive uh, slot guy. George Kittle, who you could tell George Kittle wasn't 100% in that game, um, and they didn't really lean on him. He is uh, He has a knee injury. Breida actually has two injuries. He hurt his shoulder and his ankle, um, but they were all limited. And then full participants, Reuben Foster, Joshua Garnett, uh, Marquise Goodwin, Jaquiski Tart, and then guys that did not practice. Um, I mean, this, this list is long. I mean, it's almost it, – it's three out of five offensive linemen that are starting. Uh, Mike Person, former Ram, Weston Richburg, Joe Staley, and then you had Pierre Garçon, uh, two injuries, a shoulder and a knee injury. Jimmy Ward, hamstring. Kawan Williams, shoulder. And Akella Witherspoon, concussion. Um, guys, that's uh, three out of their top four corners that did not participate. And this is Wednesday. Wow, are we going to play their practice squad or what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's less than ideal, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow no kidding I, i'm sure that the offensive linemen are just you know they played monday night so i'm sure they're just getting rest um i would expect all of them to play but that's a long list it really is i mean their corners they would start well richard sherman actually richard sherman was a limited participant so <laughs> no one will we'll say this the top four corners didn't fully participate um sherman is likely going to be a go and then Akella Witherspoon and Kawan Williams will see. So then it would leave, and Jimmy Ward for that matter. So it's Sherman, and then the next um, to start next to him would be Greg Mabin. And then you'd be looking at maybe a DJ Reed, who's kind of a, a safety corner um, hybrid. And then uh, Tavarius Moore, um, and I believe he was a third-round pick uh, from... What school did he go to? Now that completely escapes me. Uh, Southern Miss. So, yeah, you'd be kind of digging into the bottom of their depth chart. And uh, that would really, man, that would really put even more pressure on Jaquiski Tart and uh, Adrian Colbert, like the guys we uh, just previously mentioned. Yeah, no kidding. And they only have, they have one cornerback on their practice squad. And that is Emmanuel Mosley. So he might have to get ready because he might be playing in this one. <laughs> so <laughs> we we talked about um, Okoronko a little bit. When do you guys expect to see him back? He practiced for the first time this week. Um, and uh, he, from what everything I've been seeing and, and hearing, uh, Okoronko has been ready for quite some time. He just had to really abide by the uh, PUP rules. So do you guys expect him to be back next week or like what, what's the timetable on this guy? Defined back, like, like playing in a game or 53 man roster back. Oh, wow. Jeez. Oh, that's what everyone wants to know right now. I mean, you, you have a six and O team and all anyone cares about is the fifth rounder that hasn't even played a snap. <laughs> I'm guessing he'll be back at Green Bay. Yeah. 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 I'll take it. I I also wonder too you you bring him on the roster who are you taking off the roster? Tens all smart. Are... Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um cuz you who else you do you can you 
you just brought a bunch of corners on. Yeah. You 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 needed a receiver. You're not going to go dump a receiver. I guess really the factors are how how quick does Cup recover, and do we hear any good news coming here soon on Talib? And those are things like that that'll make be a factor of who you're cutting. I don't, I don't know. He, the injuries. Nobody. I don't think people don't. They don't. I don't think people realize how serious the Rams injury issue is. I mean, because we we look at the injury report you just brought up, and there's like five names on there. But you know how many we have in the IR or on the PUP? It's off the. This is this is more injured. The Rams are more injured now than they ever were at any point last year. So try and figure out how you're going to move this roster around. I'm glad I'm not the guy making that decision. I'll go Green Bay because I think something's going to happen between now and then. But I don't know how you, you move that without somebody else getting hurt. Unless you, like you said, Tanzel Smart. <laughs> I, I don't know how he made the 53, to be quite honest. I sound like a <laughs> hater, though. I mean, realistically, guys have to do more than just the preseason but I watched every preseason uh, bit of film, and wow, I could not believe. I mean, he had the worst preseason games I've ever seen of an interior defensive lineman. Uh, come, on, Jake. You know the real, real issue here is you know what you re- you're just still you still want T. Gray on the roster. That's what really, you want T. Gray on the roster. She's like, just cut smart. I want T. Gray there. Just give me some T. Gray. It's hard, man. <laughs> no honestly i really was shocked they didn't keep omarius more i mean clearly the reason was to give number 94 to john franklin myers but um <laughs> but no i i i liked him and and honestly i want to see i want to see sebastian joseph day get a shot um or you know i'll i'll spread this out guys i just want to see the nfl get rid of the whole scratch like the six or seven inactives, because I think it's ridiculous. That's what I want to see. With the full fifty-three. Well, that's the argument that I made not too long ago, isn't it? On our yep, show, exact same argument. It, 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 that it's just ridiculous in this day and age where players are getting hurt like they are. You already have them on the roster. Why are you not exp- expanding rosters out to where you, these teams can make better decisions? If you want high quality football out there, if you want. Uh, people go out there and pay tickets to your games and you want this to be like the league that everybody wants to watch because it's the league that's provides good football, good sport. Then why on earth would you just keep limiting what these teams can do? That's the same problem I have the salary cap, by the way, if the Rams are willing to go out there and pay massive amounts of money for a player, why would you stop them from doing that? when other teams aren't willing to do it. I agree. So it, I I really believe that some changes need to happen because parity's good for parity's good to make sure everybody has a chance. Fine, so be it. You know what? But here's the problem: that when everybody's a chance, you don't see true excellence anymore. You really don't. Yeah, we did the whole luxury tax debate and things like that too. Um, yeah, I would I would at least like to see them let the whole fifty-three man roster, you know, play in a game or or attend a game in pads and be eligible to play. I absolutely agree, guys. I've brought this up so many times. Um, Jim Everett was pounding the table for it. Uh, I had Libre Irvin on here. He was saying there should be a 65-man roster. Um, I mean, there's things that they can focus on that I think that they're not. 
Um, the 10 man practice squad is great. They even increased it to 11 for select teams um, with the, I don't know if you guys knew about that, the international, it's kind of like a foreign yeah. exchange student, yep. but it's, it's for practice squad. Um, so you have the international player. I don't know. It just seems to me like it. So it's more like a chess game, I guess. That's kind of like what they're getting at. But I mean, at the end of the day, we've seen how freak injuries are. So you're going to, you know, you're basically going to penalize a team for only keeping since they have to keep three quarterbacks on the roster because the third quarterback's too good to put on the practice squad, but not good enough and not ready enough to start or play in a game for that matter. And you desperately need this guy to be active on special teams. You need this guy because you're, you're, you know, low on offensive line. So you have to basically inactivate, um, the, uh, one of your quarterbacks, your two quarterbacks get hurt. And now you're stuck with emergency quarterbacks, like a, you know, maybe your running back that knows how to throw from high school or your punter. It just, it doesn't seem right. And, uh, they definitely need to fix that 100%. Just like the tying too, by the way, like switch to college football, uh, or, you know, modified college football rules in overtime. Like they got a lot of stuff they need to work on. <laughs> One of the reasons I've never been a soccer fan is because there were far too many ties. And now all of a sudden in football, here we go again. And it's like, yeah, I agree. We got to get rid of it. We got to figure out a system so that there are no ties in the NFL. I always thought that the easy solution for that is I don't, I don't like the college system where they start at 25, but put teams at midfield for overtime. Yeah. Just start them at midfield. And they that way they have to at least earn field goal position. Worst comes the worst. You know, and to me, that's an easy solution that you know, makes a whole ton of sense. But no, they're not going to do that. Yeah. Well, with a healthy with a healthy Zerline, you could almost make it from midfield. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, guys, with what you're saying, I mean, um, and I know we're going off a little bit here, but um, like I had Kyle Sloter of the Vikings on here, and he said, you know, basically, um one of the key things, the reason guys don't like overtime is because how far you have to go down the field and everything. And if they shortened up the field, they'd be able to keep it going. And, you know, by not shortening up the field, you know, you risk injury and all that. But I will say this, the, uh, the NFL kind of under the radar took the 15 minutes and made it 10 minutes. And now I think you're seeing the repercussions for that. It's, they're now 10 minute um overtime periods and, and i just don't yeah the, they're doing that for player safety yeah they're trying to minimize that but all it's going to do is lead to more ties and, exactly you know, we, so i mean the browns legitimately they could have had like three or four ties already through the browns i mean <laughs> i it, i don't see fans pay money to go see a team win or lose well, maybe you do it from the 25, but you don't allow any field goals. First yeah. team to score a touchdown wins. I could see that. That would I be mean, all right. Yeah, I mean, it's just they got to they gotta figure something out. Just like they have to. It, it wouldn't take it, – it really wouldn't be a big deal if they just started allowing 53-men rosters to be 53-men rosters and, and allowing all guys to be able to compete. And – I mean, I'll go further with this. They need a disabled list, kind of like in baseball. because So now the Rams kind of have to you know, hold on to, say, you know, Marcus Peters um, when he was injured. I know he ended up playing, but it looked like he was going to be hurt um, significantly. 
and they would have had to hold on to him being injured because they can't place him on IR because then all of a sudden bye-bye Farrell Cooper. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like they, they do need, um, you know, short-term disabled lists as well. That's what you got. I mean, that's the cup situation now, really. Yeah. Exactly. That's the cup situation now. So you – to me, it's just so – it's common sense, really. This A lot of this stuff is common sense. What's better for the game? And the question I would ask any NFL owner is, what's really better for the game long term? What's better for the game now? Is it better for the game for you to limit the amount of players that are in this league? I'm guessing for the sake of saving money or maximizing your profits. I'm not sure what it actually is. Or is it better to produce the best product on the field? And I'm not sure the NFL really has that figured out right now. I mean, honestly, if they did, the Chargers aren't in L.A. They're back in San Diego or somewhere else. If they if they had their heads straight about this, there are certain things that aren't happening in the league that are. I mean, are happening in the league that aren't. I <laughs> I think you're you're hitting it right on the head there, and, and I think it's it's something that we probably should cover since it did come up today. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think about that? Where do you see the the Chargers ending up? I mean, do you think they stay in L.A.? Do you think this is you know, something where, you know, the NFL rides along with the storm, or do you think they just pull the plug now? Oh, they'll ride it out for, they don't want to look like they were wrong. So they'll ride it out for at least probably four or five years before they decide to do something different. In my opinion, I like that mindset. (laughs) That's so the NFL. Honestly, honestly, the Spanos passing away gives them an out. You know, they could always argue, well, Spanos wanted to LA his son can say, you know what? This is what my dad wanted. Let's go ahead and give. Let's see what we can work out for San Diego. That's an out now. And well, they didn't really have that before, in terms of embarrassment factor. Okay, they can literally throw that guy on the bus, which they've already shown they're willing to do. They threw him on the bus for relocation, anyways. So, you know, just on the flip side of it, what's to say? Hey, you know what? The NFL going and saying, listen, man. Go back to San Diego. We will, we will allocate not the normal, not the normal. One, we'll refund your relocation fee, okay? And we'll allocate league funds over to build a stadium. What do you mean? We, that's the normal, the, the the G3 or whatever it's called, okay? No, we'll give you more than that. If you can get a medium commitment from San Diego or worse comes to worse. Just say, we'll build your freaking stadium. This is the NFL. They won't do it, but I think they might consider it now. Why? Because what is the only real viable market left over now? It's San Diego. Oakland's not even viable right now. Maybe St. Louis. (laughs) Dude, well, you tell me how St. Louis is viable. They're still paying off the dome. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're in the worst shape right now in terms of. Jeez, he's here. You're picking an old wound there, man. (laughs) The best proposal they had, the best proposal they had, go back, rewind. The best proposal they had was a 62,000 seat outdoor stadium on the riverfront. What did Cronkie put out? What did he want? If he was going to stay in St. Louis, 
He wanted a real deal, top-of-the-line stadium that can host the Super Bowl. I don't think any team is going to leave California to go back to St. Louis under a stadium that's 62,000 riverfront. It's just not going to happen. So what's your real option? Really, what's your option right now? San Diego or London? And that's a whole other problem. And that's a whole other problem. Well, I'll throw one in there too. Uh, you know, with Paul Allen passing away, you know, rest in peace, Paul. Uh, I've, I've known about Paul Allen for a long time, being from Oregon. Uh, I'm a Portland Trailblazers fan. He was the owner of that, as well as the Seahawks. Uh, the reason that Portland really hasn't had a chance at a NFL team was because he didn't want it because it would compete against this Seattle market. Uh, most people in Oregon are Seahawks fans, but Portland's a viable option. Uh, I think much more than St. Louis. Portland. Uh, uh, yeah, but, that could, but Portland's that could having so many other issues right now though. Portland will always have issues, but St. Louis has issues too. <laughs> Well, they both do, and I don't. That, but I would say I wouldn't really view until some of those issues are solved. I wouldn't view any of them as a real viable problem. And I, I get what you're saying because Portland, ten years ago, was like the spot, and I think the NFL missed their, their real chance to expand there because Paul Allen didn't want a team there. And now, with all the political issues going on there, and then you look at St. Louis, and I mean, St. Louis is just broke, and and San Diego is really your option that's left over. If you that that fits the market, that fits everything, just put them back. I mean, San Diego makes the most sense, obviously, especially if it is the Chargers. But you know, like I said, I don't really think the NFL does anything for four or five years just because they want to want to admit that they're wrong at anything. And you know, I, I can't see. I think it would be a detriment to the team. Uh, they couldn't move them for a while, anyways, unless they took them back to their old stadium, which. I don't think anybody wants. So, you know, I, I'd say it's at least four or five years before there's a viable option for a team to go to San Diego. If it is the charges, so be it. But I would say four or five years at a minimum. What about San Antonio with the Alamo Dome? Yeah, oh. but, yeah but you already have you already have the Texans and the Cowboys. They'll fight that. Yeah, I don't know They'll if they want thirteen. They'll fight that. It, I also look at it too is, you know, at some point the NFL needs to take a bath on this. They, they, they this the thing with San, with San Diego and the Chargers was a cluster, you know what, from the very beginning, and whether they move them back in four or five years or move them back now, just pull the freaking bandaid off, take a bath on this, and get it done. Get it in. I think NFL fans would be much more forgiving of that than you keeping their team away for four or five years and then then taking them back when you because you're what trying to save face. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I get what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with you. I I know their mindset. I'm saying I'm saying that the better mindset to me would be just just take a bath on it. Admit you. Hey, you know what? We swung and missed on this. Let's work something out. If you can, if San Diego, if you just put in this will pay for your stadium. That to me makes the most sense, but there's a lot of things in the NFL right now that are, are confusing me. So <laughs> I, I hear you. I mean, it, it's actually kind of a fun, it, it's a fun debate because there's so many different 
you know, areas. And it's, it's a really good, I, I think this is one of those questions where you could get, you know, a bunch of different answers. I mean, someone could give you Alabama. I mean, I would shut that down because I would say, look, Alabama Crimson Tide. I would say that they have what the 40th highest, uh, market in the, in the country as far as NFL. Um, Salt Lake City, Utah, I, I just don't think would work. I think you have something with Portland. I think you have something with San Antonio. I think you have something with San Diego. And I think those are probably, you know, I mentioned St. Louis kind of as a joke. Um, St. Louis seems more involved in trying to get their, their soccer um, team out there or whatever. Um, but I, I would say those are probably the, the three best options. Uh, Portland, Oregon, um, San Antonio, uh, and then... Uh, what what was it that I I just said? Um, Portland, oh San Diego, and then I guess maybe Oklahoma City is like a honorable mention, but I, I don't even know about that. You just really going off topic for a second. You mentioned St. Louis and, and soccer. Just I don't even think that happens out there for them. And the answer for the reason why is simply FC Cincinnati. The, the MLS is going to put a team in the Midwest. And it was only going to be one team. They already have eyes somewhere else. I, I, I would be really super surprised if St. Louis gets that team. St. Louis is a baseball town. Baseball and hockey, that's that's all they've ever really been. Uh, if you, you know, the only time that they really had sellout crowds for the Rams was during the greatest show on turf times. But, I mean, you know, I don't want to tick anybody off, but I went to several games where I had four or five seats on each side of me open uh, even when the Rams weren't horrible. So uh, they, they never really were a football town, in my opinion. Um, there, there's, Believe me, there's a lot of faithful, loving fans in St. Louis that, that would love to have an NFL team there, but I just don't think there's enough of them. So uh, really, they're a baseball and a hockey, and I, I don't expect anything else to really move in there anytime soon. Yeah. I definitely know what you mean. It was kind of hard for me, you know, growing up in New York as a Rams fan, and they weren't obviously the best team in the league, so trying to get any little bit of inkling on Rams news. Obviously, I didn't know you guys. Um, I, you guys, I don't think existed uh, back when I was in, like, you know, middle school or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I was trying to get some news, and I'd listen to the Depends, ESPN. Are you, are you Steve's age now? <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you 14 jake or <laughs> there's so need to know because we're we're in our sixth season so you know it's just, it's just gee how old are you 23 <laughs> man okay so it's a little bit a little bit going back okay yeah but, I've been, but... I, I've been i've been dying for rams news for many many years and i'm we'll just say i'm over a half a century old so it it was tough, though, you know, because the ESPN for, for you know, St. Louis, it'd be like, you know, I, I want to hear them talk about how the Rams just finally had their first blowout of the season. And no, all I hear is about Yadier Molina's throw, um, no-look throw to third when he picked off a guy. Or I would hear about um, Tarasenko and how he's the best young um, athlete in St. Louis. And I was like, well, what about Todd Gurley? Like, th this is... This is the season where, you know, Todd Gurley's rookie year where it was right after the Cardinals game or whatever. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, they're going to talk about Todd Gurley. And it wasn't middle school. I'm exaggerating that way. But, you know, my point is, you know, they're 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 talking about, you know, baseball. They're talking about hockey. I just never really got any feeling um, that they 
I, I don't want to piss off a bunch of people, but it just, I don't know. It, it seemed like the guys over there that were writing the articles didn't, they, they looked at the Rams as kind of like how, I guess, in LA we look at the Chargers, maybe? I mean, like, they were honestly on the back burner for a lot of people. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, disagree yeah, there because... People in LA don't even look at the Chargers, so go find another example. I mean, <laughs> the well, there are a lot of there are a lot of guys that cover the Rams that covered the Rams in St. Louis. That you're right, they not only were they not good at it, but they just didn't seem to care as much. There there were a few good ones, but we we had a particular beef with one of them all the time. I won't say his name. Derek can if he wants to, but. Um, I, you you can I if you want, but I have a pretty good idea of who it is. <laughs> but <laughs> here's well, you see here, this this man. This goes back for me. You know, when I first when I was working when I, when I was contributing for Yahoo Sports, I wrote an article initially, and I made the case that the team should stay in St. Louis. Okay, and that's when the guys from LA, bring back the LA Rams reached out to me and asked me why, and. You know, they, they knew right where to get me because I'm a history nut. And when they brought back the history for me and I, when I really looked at the whole picture, the financial picture, I realized that the team is just better off in L.A. And it's not anything offensive towards St. Louis, but, oh, oh my gosh, people went after me. Like, I had people copying my my Facebook profile. I had I had – I received a couple threats. I had people trying to, trying to get me fired. It was uh, family got, got threatened. It was it really gave me a bad view of those folks who were representing the St. Louis base, and that's just kind of the ones who were running organizations there. You get in the media, and the media there did the city of St. Louis a disservice. Okay, they they did. They they should just shine this bright light on Cronky. He's a Missouri guy. He's this and this. And I'm saying, dude, he's a businessman. He's about his product. He may be a Missouri guy, but he owns the Rams. Okay, and this and he's going to do what's best for his business because that's his job. He's a businessman, and nobody believed folks like me or Norma was saying that. And all of a sudden, he's gone, and these folks who were ignoring that and then went out of the way to trash Cronky on the way out still blamed him and didn't hold themselves or the city of St. Louis responsible, which is sad because I met a lot of real really really nice st louis fans there a, a lot of these games are out there you know they're out there having a great time uh, tailgating welcoming us it didn't matter if you're wearing rams colors except for that one guy who would be threatening but anyways you know i i just look at it and go the nfl didn't do its best job in st louis but the reality is is, is st louis hurt itself back in 1995 when they signed that lease deal and they hurt themselves when the extension came up in 2004, 2005, when when it was time to extend that lease and do their 10-year check, and Frontier waves that. But the warning signs are there at that point. you got to get this stadium as a top-tier stadium because come 2015, this team can move. And St. Louis didn't do that, and the media didn't push the city to do that, and they didn't find the answers to taxes. They didn't find answers to anything. And they ignore the facts of the lease. And I'm rambling now. I apologize for that. But that's a much deeper story. And if anybody now wants to move into St. Louis, it's going to be the same darn problem. Because St. Louis just is, don't have the money. I'm not, going to, I'm not talking about the fans. The fans I met were good fans. Okay, but 
it does not have the money. You have to get somebody there who will invest and build the Rome Stadium. And who's going to do that? Well, and I went back and traveled back to St. Louis and attended the Keep the Rams in St. Louis rally uh, that they had. And, you know, again, there's some very awesome dedicated fans that really didn't want the team to leave. But one thing I will point out, and it was kind of sad to see, is here's this big rally just blocks away from the Edward Jones Dome. And I took more shirts with me than there were people in the crowd. So if I had gave away every shirt, I would have had to have given away two or three to some people in order to get rid of them all. There, there was, the attendance was really not that high. And, you know, in comparison to Rams Fest this year down in LA, I mean, Derek can attest to this, how many people were there. And the year before they had to shut the park down because it, you know, went over the permit. So I just don't think you have the fan base there as far as amount of people that are as passionate about the team as you do, you know, in LA. So if you move a team like San Diego there, I just don't know that they would be embraced like they, they would be if they went back to San Diego. I, I definitely agree. Um, it, sorry, man. I ran it there. I'm sorry, dude. You just got me going. No, no. I, I think it's it's awesome. It's great content. And I, I think it just, you know, it gives people another insight. I mean, th- this is the Downtown Rams podcast. I know you guys are Rams talk, but we're also just NFL fans. And this was a big NFL story that came out today. And I, I think it's only fair to, you know, give it some light a little bit. I mean, this, this does have to do with the Rams as well. I mean, if the Chargers leave... Are the Rams home free? Do they do they just take over um, the Inglewood Stadium and they don't have to share with anybody? There's no way that you could tell me right now the NFL is going to put the Raiders there. I mean, I'm sorry. Their fans, there's no way their fans are going to step in that stadium unless they're playing the Raiders. I, I just don't believe that the Raiders will ever be with the Rams in that stadium. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just no, don't I, see it. You're not wrong. I mean, El, Las Vegas is already, they've already you know, started digging out there for their stadium. So, I mean, it's, it's, that deal's done. So, but you know what? If I'm, I'm going to throw this out there and it's probably just lunacy, but what if they said, screw this, San Diego, we'll go back to, well, we're going to move you back there and we're going to let the Raiders come hang out in LA for a couple years while the Vegas stand is being built. Well, it could happen, but again, I <laughs> because Oakland's I threatening not. to sue. Yeah, yeah I believe Oakland's threatening. Oakland is suing, I think, and I I don't see Cronky taking that without a fight. But I've seen weirder things from the NFL. I kind of I kind of feel I, I feel a little I feel a little jerk even bringing up that thought, but it just occurred to me that if 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 the Chargers aren't working there, and the Raiders could work there for a couple of years, put the Chargers back where they belong, bring the Raiders to LA while they're waiting for the stadium out there in, in Las Vegas. But if, and, and you would, what, what would Crocky say at that point? Would Crocky say, what, would he be being opposed to it? But then he'll say, listen, um, they could tell him, look, we, we approved you out here already. You know, we, yeah, we, did, nothing... you a, we did you a solid. 
nothing in the NFL ever gets approved that quickly. So I really don't see. I it mean, I, I, I'm really, I'm just really kind of pondering. I mean, it may be the stupidest pondering imaginable, but given how things have gone, would any of you be surprised if that happened? I would be surprised if San Diego's back in San Diego in the next four or five years. Uh, you know, it would be four or five years. I really just don't see it happening because it was a large investment to bring them up here. And I just, they're not going to go back to their old stadium. That's just not going to happen. So they're going to have to build a new one there. It's going to take two or three years, even if it was approved today. So I don't see it happening for four or five years if it's going to happen at all. Yeah, I, I kind of, I tend to agree with that, uh, mainly because you kind of talked me out of my original thoughts. Um, I could totally see what you're saying. I, I don't, you know, things like this take time. And again, it, it took a lot of money to bring them to LA. So I don't know if they're about to just kind of, you know, before they even get into Inglewood Stadium, they're going to just, um, you know, pull the plug on this. I think they'll kind of, you know, ride it out, especially since, I mean, the Chargers are one of the best teams in the AFC now. They're not, you know, a top-tier team, but they're still, you know, one of the more competitive teams. Um, I do think it's funny, guys, because once upon a time, we were talking about how, oh, the, you know, the Raiders have Derek Carr. They're exciting. You know, they they got uh, Marshawn Lynch for, the, you know, the time being because they're going to be in Oakland, and he's from Oakland, and that'll kind of bring them to Vegas. And, oh, you know, Jack Del Rio has really found his stride, and they're 12 and four and they're a playoff team and they're the most exciting team moving and they should be in LA, not the Rams. And now all of a sudden, what are the Raiders? <laughs> like, I don't know how you're going to sell them to any fan base. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is going to go over well, honestly, because I mean, Vegas, they'll be fine because Pe people, there was this misconception where people thought Vegas didn't want professional sports there or rather it had something to do with, you know, the gambling and all that. But, you know, look at the golden Knights. I mean, even if they were bad last year, even if they were bad last year, they still would have gotten the attendance, but the golden Knights being good and everything. I mean, I, I went to, I remember I went to Vegas right before the season started. I had my golden Knights out on and I got all these different compliments. Like I'm in Vegas right now. Why are you shocked that I'm wearing a golden Knights hat? I mean, then again, I'm from New York and I picked them because they were a brand new team and they didn't even have players yet. But that's besides the point. Point is, people were really excited for this team before the season even started. I saw jerseys, like literal zero zero no name jerseys because they just couldn't wait. There were so many people hyped for the Golden Knights and then they really ra rallied around them when they were in the playoffs and I, I just don't know though, um, you know, how well that'll go with, with the Raiders because I don't know you know, now all all these rumors out, you know, cars available after the end of the season. So what now you're not going to have a franchise quarterback and, oh, you didn't bring back Khalil Mack. And um, it's just now everyone's for sale. It just seems like a really bad sell to any market um, to be like, yeah, you know, we have this Raiders team that was 12 and four, three years ago. Like that's, that's going to be your sell. I mean, like, what do they have? Draft picks. Um and they're shop that supposedly they're shopping Amari Cooper and <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, yep. Gary on Conley. He was a first rounder. What last year, two years ago. I mean, now you're, yeah, we're, we don't like him. Like what? <laughs> what? That, that, that's well, I could, I, I know a lot about Gary on Conley and if the Raiders trade him, they're idiots. It's so. too talented. Just get rid of a way too yeah. talented. 
and you took a you took a chance on all of that and i think it was all noise honestly if you ask me but all of that uh pre-draft stuff like they they drafted in the first round even with all of that and again i feel like that was all noise but my point is you drafted a guy like that now you're going to get rid of him don't understand it yeah oh lordy okay so, what else you got <laughs> so what so you want to argue about? <laughs> we're uh I think we're we're doing a pretty good job, boys. Um pr- pretty good podcast and we're we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh quick little debate question cuz I did post a um a little poll on uh Twitter and I have made the argument that I do believe Robert Woods is the best receiver on the Rams right now. Um with that being said, is Robert Woods a top 10 receiver at this point in time? Don't answer all at once. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was giving that some real thought, and um, I'm going to say <laughs> Oh, lordy. Depends. Well, are you looking for the idea of, of numbers, or are you looking for the idea of the impact he has on the team? Oh, I'm just talking t- like top ten. Like if you're talking best receivers in the league. Is he a top 10 receiver right now? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say he's at, I'm going to say he's at the bottom of the 10, but I'd say he's a top 10 right now, just because of the fact that Cooper cup going out, is going to hurt Brandon cooks. If he went out, it's, it would hurt, but Robert Woods can run any of the routes and any of the positions. And he's helping everybody out, out there and look at the production that the Rams are getting. And I don't think they'd be getting it without him. So I think he makes that much of an impact that he would be a top 10 receiver right now. All right. So I'm going to roll with. uh, I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say he is based on his entire body of work. What does he provide? He can play on the outside. He can play on the inside. He blocks. The man blocks like a man. Okay. Like this guy is what you what you bring to that passing game is one thing. What you bring to the entire offense is another. And so if I'm looking for an all around receiver, I you know, Robert Woods has become that. So and and also, you know, he's got ten plus twenty yard receptions already this year. So that puts him at a tie for third in the league. And that's that's impressive as well. So put that whole package together. Yeah, I'm gonna roll with Robert Woods there in the top ten. And this has got to be a first that he agrees with me. I mean, if you listen to our podcast, that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> I do listen to your podcast, and I do know that never happens. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, well, it just it, you know, the question would be is you know, top ten playmaking wide receivers versus top ten. Um, blocking receivers, top, but you're talking top ten all around, and, and I don't think you can get around everything he brings to that offense right now. He's really developed into a guy who's actually probably underpaid by a lot right now. I did say that. I was saying it's like you get a 24 year old receiver for eight million. Um, that was Spo Tracks market value. Um, I, I just felt like that was a no brainer. So. 
before this, you know, before the off season for agency started, I was like, the Rams should target uh, Pierre Garcon and they should target Robert Woods. And they didn't get Garcon. And I was happy because I saw that price tag and I was like, whoa, the 49ers threw the kitchen sink at Garcon. Um, was not doing that. But then when I saw the Rams, you know, get Woods and then Whitworth, I was like, okay. Like, you know, they, they didn't even spend as much on Whitworth as the, the 49ers did on Garcon. Um, with that being said, guys, I actually, it, I, it's a kind of a two part thing right now. Robert Woods is a top 10 receiver as far as this season overall, though, I actually have him as a top 15 receiver. I think the Rams have three top 16 receivers on the roster. And I think Robert Woods is 12th. I actually have a list. So that's why I brought it up. I have, um, Odell Beckham Jr. Number one. I have Antonio Brown. Number two. DeAndre Hopkins, three, Adam Thielen, four, Julio Jones, five, Michael Thomas, six, AJ Green, seven, Tyreek Hill, eight, Keenan Allen, nine, Jarvis Landry, 10, Mike Evans, 11, and Robert Woods, 12th. I think when you look at what Robert Woods brings to the table, I think people are going to look more at the name like, oh, it's Robert Woods, you know, the 500 yard a year guy in Buffalo. Um, But this guy is the best guy um, on the, in the Rams receiver group. And that's saying a lot since they have a lot of talent. He is interchangeable, can play on the outside or inside. He's a great blocker. That's one of the reasons why I felt like Sean McVay was going to target him. He had to be because he came from Buffalo and no one ran the ball more than Buffalo over the last uh, four seasons. He was there or, you know, however long he was there, they had Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods. And I swear to you, there were only a few games where they threw over 25 passes. It was a run-first offense, and they used a lot of blocking out of Woods, and he, because of that, was underrated, and because of that, he was underpaid, because it was actually a really good deal for the Rams, because you knew, you know, watching the film, you saw against, uh, you know, a little bit of a you know, small sample size against the uh, Seahawks, that um, primetime game, he came through big time when Sammy Watkins was injured, came over, it was 100 yards, uh, two touchdowns, I believe, and, I mean, he had a great game. That was kind of his little coming out party. Um, that I believe that was his contract year as well. So I do think, you know, he just adds so much to this team. Um, and, and one thing that I noticed, and this goes back to last year when I was at the Coliseum, I noticed his ability to improvise. If everywhere Goff's looking, guys are covered, he is constantly working to find his way open. He plays similar um, to Garcon, but I also think, you know, he's got a little bit of Antonio Brown in him when, you know, Antonio Brown gets a little open and throws his arm up in the air, you know, let's Ben know where to put it. Um, you know, Robert Woods is constantly working and the Rams are so lucky to have him cup and cooks, uh, signed, you know, as long as they have them. Um, after Woods, I have Brandon cooks at 13, Stefan Diggs at 14, Juju Smith-Schuster at 15, Doug Baldwin at 16, Cooper Cup at 17, T.Y. Hilton at 18, Allen Robinson at 19, Devontae Adams at 20. So that's my list. Um, I could be quote-unquote wrong, but that's kind of what I came up with. Um, right now, though, I mean, Woods is, is a top-10 receiver uh, this season, and I think uh, it's going to be a cool opportunity because you know, last year he didn't have the opportunity to really come close to 100 yards due to the injury he suffered in the Vikings game. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him now, you know, being able to be the guy, hopefully knock on wood, he stays healthy. And, uh, 
you know, all these guys go over a thousand yards like I said they were going to. That'd be awesome. It sure would. Anyone want to comment on my list about how wrong I am? I just think no. you have a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I don't think you're too far off. I'd have to do my own list to compare, but I don't think you're too far off from what I heard. I think the one thing I would argue is maybe I have Michael Thomas too low because, I mean, he's just phenomenal. But, you know, just watching Adam Thielen, I think right now, right now, since we're talking about, you know, uh, Robert Woods being a top 10 receiver right now, I would say Adam Thielen might be the best in the game right now this season. So he's he's the only guy besides Woods that has had over uh, four straight 80-plus yard games this season. Only guy. He's a stud, that's for sure. He definitely is. Well, guys, I think uh, you, you made it through. No one fell asleep, uh, despite the fact that uh, I was told that that would happen. <laughs> well, Norm's yeah, had to directly inject caffeine into his arm at least four times. You can't see that. Oh, my God. Well, maybe we'll do a live podcast, and the next time people can see it. <laughs> well, I'm the, I am the old guy, so, you know. Got to be up and ready to go at five in the morning. Important, <laughs> yeah, decrepit. Okay, yeah. yeah, he's. I'm getting the middle finger right now. I promise you. I can guarantee he's giving me the middle finger right now. <laughs> two, of, two of them. He gave me two. Yeah, told you. Oh my god. Well, you guys are awesome. Uh, I look forward to joining you on your side uh, after the game against the 49ers. Hopefully. Um, the Rams have a nice uh, fat W and uh, we're talking about good things because it's always harder to talk about bad things. Um, but that's going to do it, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, for Jake Ellenbogen, they are Rams Talk. And uh, again, this has been another Downtown Rams podcast. It's been 131 episodes. So um, guys have anything to say before we, uh, we skedaddle? Well, I'm ready to go to sleep. Uh, follow us on Rams Talk Talk Rams on Twitter and on Facebook we have a group all that jazz uh, you know subscribe iTunes reviews we we appreciate all that stuff and uh, and uh, thanks for having us on absolutely thanks for having us Jake hey it was was a lot of fun and again I look forward to joining you guys later on the week you got it alright alright that's a wrap adios Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.